Hello, my name is Isaac Keith Martinez, and welcome to Isaac's Haunted Beard. Today we're going to be talking about two films, The Lost Boys, The Tribe, from the year 2008, and The Lost Boys, The Thirst, from the year 2010. I recently revisited The Lost Boys Trilogy. I didn't watch them all in the same day. It wasn't a triple feature. I watched one film a day for three days, and I tweeted about it. And one of the replies kind of surprised me. I think it was for the third one that I got this reply. Somebody said, I didn't even know this film existed. And it didn't dawn on me that there are people that didn't realize that there were sequels that existed for the Lost Boys. Well, that's a good enough reason to do a podcast. What do you think? Now, I'm not going to talk about part one. Everyone has seen the Lost Boys. It's a beloved classic. So let's move on and talk about part two and part three, because there are people I discovered who have not seen these movies yet. And maybe this episode will help you decide if these are films that you want to check out or if you'd prefer to let the original film just live in your memory completely untouched by any association with the direct-to-video sequels that these films are. Well, I am going to assume that you might not have seen these films, so I shall be careful with um, (laughs) uh, spoilers. So let's jump into the first movie, The Lost Boys, The Tribe. Chris, a former pro surfer, and his sister Nicole are young and attractive, and they just moved to Luna Bay, California to live together in a house owned by their aunt. Chris is looking for a job as a surfboard shaper, and he's told that the best surfboard shaper to work for is Edgar Frog. (laughs) This is Edgar Frog from part one. Edgar Frog is one half of the Frog Brothers, He is the frog brother played by Corey Feldman. Now, Chris tracks down Edgar's address because apparently he works out of his home. And he leaves him a note with his information on it because, as it would seem, Edgar's not home at the moment. In the meantime, Chris's sister, Nicole, gets recruited to join the group of sexy surfer vampire dudes when she unknowingly drinks the blood of the head vampire, turning her half vampire, much like Michael in The Lost Boys, part one. When Chris discovers his sister is a half vampire as she displays her new vampiric strength and rage, he is saved by Edgar Frog who knocks her out and reveals himself to be Edgar Frog, surfboard shaper and vampire hunter. (laughs) Edgar eventually convinces Chris that Nicole will remain half vampire until 
she feeds and makes her first kill. They come up with a plan for Chris to join the surfing vampire gang so he can learn where their secret lair is and take down the vamps from the inside with the help of Edgar Frog. There you go. That's more or less what the Lost Boys, the tribe is. I think I did a pretty good job of not ruining any of the secrets or any of the surprises, including the mid, uh, the mid credit scene. Uh, I mean, I am revealing that there is one. And the only reason why I'm saying that is because I don't want you to turn off the DVD or the Blu-ray while the credits is rolling. You don't have to wait for the entire credits to roll. It's not a post credit scene. It's a mid credit scene and you don't even have to wait long. I wouldn't even fast forward it. It's, it's barely, the credits are barely rolling before they, uh, dissolve. And then, uh, the movie continues and it's a great scene. So I don't want to spoil it for you. And really you're lucky if no one spoiled it for you yet. What does this film feel like to me or to you? What do you, what do, what can you expect from the lost boys, the tribe? Honestly, it kind of feels just like a retelling of the first story. It's like they, didn't want to commit to remaking the lost boys because, and I'm just guessing it seems as though it was important for them to make the original fans happy by including at least one person from the original film. And as you know, that person turns out to be Corey Feldman, which really shouldn't surprise anyone considering who from the first one was a candidate to be in this second film of all the actors in the lost boys i'd say the one that probably got the most work in a more like successful way would be Kiefer sutherland so i'm just guessing that Kiefer sutherland does not have an interest in returning to the lost boys franchise as where corey feldman would now, Corey Feldman has also received nonstop work since that film, but the quality of movies that he received work for definitely changed. The peak of the type of movies that Corey was being offered and participated in was in the 80s. So because those movies like The Goonies and gremlins and the lost boys <laughs> because they're so popular because they're still they remain popular uh, till this day he's forever going to be a famous face he's he's forever linked to these very iconic 80s movies so i think they'll continue to offer him work in these lower budget movies and he's pretty much who you know when i remember when this movie was coming out um, we didn't know yet, you know, who was going to be in it. And then when I found that it was just going to be, you know, Corey Feldman, uh, I wasn't surprised. He's, he's pretty much what I expected. And he's not the lead in this movie. He is like in the first film, a, like a background character, uh, the lead being the 
the young surfer guy and his sister. Um, it does seem as though at the time, you know, in that time being 2008, there seems to be this idea where they want to lure in the old fans, you know, by bringing back a character from the first film and having it be like a somewhat continuation of that story, but also attract new fans. So, you know, instead of making it a movie about, you know, the characters as adults, uh, with the hopes of attracting a young audience, they tell a story about young people all over again. And you got to admit, I don't know if this might turn you off or like me, you might find this kind of funny. The idea of surfing vampires is, is pretty neat. <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous, but that's, that's part of what I like about it. This movie's 92 minutes and that's about an average length for a movie, right? That's more or less what most movies are like. It's, it's a fairly nicely paced movie. It has 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> I'm not pointing that out because I'm trying to make fun of it. In a way, I'm just pointing it out because I think I like a lot of movies that have 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. This film is directed by P.J. Pesky. I don't know if I'm saying his last name correctly. It's spelled P-E-S-C-E. Pesky? Yeah, I looked at his body of work. I'm not really familiar with much of it. He did a lot of stuff for TV. However, the one movie he made that I was familiar with was also a vampire film. And it was also a sequel to an iconic vampire film. And it was also a straight-to-video film. It was From Dusk Till Dawn 3, The Hangman's Daughter, which I actually like. In fact, of the, of the two... From Dust to Dawn sequels, I like I like that one better than part two, which I think was called Texas Blood Money. The main vampire in the original film, The Lost Boys, as you remember, David, is played by Kiefer Sutherland. This is interesting. <laughs> it can't be a coincidence. This has got to be by design. The main vampire in The Lost Boys of the Tribe is a character named Shane, and he's played by Angus Sutherland. That's Kiefer Sutherland's younger brother. They're both the sons of actor Donald Sutherland, who played a vampire hunter of sorts in the 1992 film Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which is also a movie that I am a fan of. Now let's move on to part three in the trilogy, The Lost Boys, The Thirst. This time we are in San Cazador, California, which is a little confusing because when they show Edgar Frog's home, it looks like it's the same place as in part one. And for the record, um, I don't think I'm really ruining anything by, by telling you this in advance. His home is like a trailer uh, like a trailer home. So I guess, you know, uh, <laughs> hunting vampires isn't that successful for him. And, you know, when I, when I first saw part two, I was a little confused 
why Edgar was a surfboard shaper and why he didn't continue running a comic book shop, which I guess is what I wanted. I wanted him and his brother to take over the comic book shop for no particularly good reason. I guess it just seemed like a cool idea, but, but I also thought about it and I thought maybe shaping surfboards is a job that gives him what he probably wants. And that is the removal from society where he can do his job uh, far away from the public and far away from the possibility of uh, running into some vampires. So he can work at home on the surfboard shaping and he can work on uh, making weapons <laughs> for vampire hunting, you know, sharpening some stakes. Okay, here's the plot. Gwen Lieber is a famous writer for vampire romance novels. I'm guessing she's supposed to be like, <laughs> like, I guess the writer of Twilight. I don't know who wrote Twilight. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not a, I've never seen Twilight. Uh, I never will see Twilight. Uh, and unlike Paul Blart, Mall Cop, I'm going to stick to my guns on this one. I am never going to see Twilight. Uh, Gwen Lieber, the famous writer of vampire romance novels, hires Edgar Frog to find her kidnapped brother because she suspects that he was kidnapped, get this folks, by a famous vampire DJ who throws huge raves where he gives everyone there vampire blood in vials under the idea that they're actually taking a drug called the thirst. So what he's really doing is creating a vampire army. Now, Edgar wants his brother, Alan, to help him on this mission. Alan's not interested as he is now a half vampire himself. He's a good guy though. He's not like, he hasn't like crossed over into being a villain. He doesn't want to kill people, so he feeds on animal blood. Well, he still needs help, and Gwen knows it. So instead, Edgar is forced to work with a reality TV star named Lars von Getz, who Gwen hired to join the mission. And his character is pretty much there just to get on Edgar's nerves. Of course, Eventually, during the mission, when things get especially dangerous and Edgar can't count on Lars, like he thought, like he knew he couldn't, <laughs> couldn't, excuse me, Alan does show up to help. And it's kind of neat because it kind of reminds me of Blade, you know, because you have the idea of someone who is kind of half vampire using his vampire strength to fight other vampires. I like it. Eventually, we learn that not everything is how it seemed, and we get some unexpected twists. So, I'll let you find out what I mean by that when you check out The Lost Boys, The Thirst. And I am hoping that you check them out. Um, <laughs> before I talk about the two films collectively, I'll address... Uh, address <laughs> how I feel about this particular film. 
Uh, do I like it? Yes or no? Yes. The answer is yes. This movie is unlike the second film in that it actually succeeds at furthering the story and not just repeating the first story. Uh, I feel like they played it safe with part two by just doing their spin on a new version of part one. But I, that doesn't bother me, and I don't blame them for doing that. I, I feel like I understand why they did it, and really the only way that would bother me is if the movie was boring, and it's not. I find it entertaining. It's not great, but it's good. <laughs> it's good enough. It's good enough for what it is. And with part three, we finally get the opportunity to move forward and create a whole new type of story as ridiculous as it may seem because i mean you talk about ridiculous the second film has surfboard uh surfer vampires and this one has vampire djs ridiculous actually i brought up blade blade has a scene in the beginning where there's like a rave kind of a thing right where the blood comes from the ceiling i think that's just a sign of the times actually i think because vampires are immortal I bet they're always in on what's current, partly because they're hip by nature and partly because I think they just want to be at places where they know a lot of people are going to be at because it gives them more opportunities to feed. So I guess raves at the time would make sense. A lot of people out rave, a lot of opportunities to feed on some juicy necks. So with this movie, unlike part two, Corey Feldman gets pushed into the lead character. And I'm not complaining. At this point in the franchise, it, it makes sense that if you're going to include Edgar Frog again, it should be his story. And really it's kind of a, it's a Frog Brothers reunion. So it's the Frog Brothers story, but let's be, let's be real. Corey Feldman is the star here. And Edgar Frog is the main character in this movie. And he carries the film just fine, you know? It's not like it's a stretch for anyone to go, ooh, Corey Feldman being the lead in a movie. It's not like you've never seen a movie before. Corey Feldman's the lead, or at least I've seen movies with Corey Feldman in the lead. I actually consider myself a Corey Feldman fan. And... I'll go so far as to say that I like Corey Feldman unironically. Um, <laughs> partly because those movies that he got famous initially for doing in the 80s, The Gremlins and The Goonies and License to Drive and Dream a Little Dream. I love all those movies. I love all those movies. Um, and I, you know, then, and I, I, I love them now. Um, I never stopped loving them. So, and there are certain actors, and in this case, we're talking about Corey Feldman, so he's he's one of them, where if you love movies a lot, certain movies, certain titles a lot, then the people that you associate with those movies get a pass from you. <laughs> kind of. I don't mean it like I'll look past garbage. It's not like I'll watch a bad movie that Corey Feldman's in 
and trick myself into thinking that I liked it. I can recognize garbage. Also, I don't want to suggest that I'll watch a movie just because he's in it. But um, the fact that he is in movies, if, if, if it's a movie that I'm going to watch anything anyway, and he turns up in it, when I see his face, uh, the part of my brain that recognizes him is the part of my brain that's happy. I'm like, hey, it's Corey Feldman. I like Corey Feldman. And he's made a bunch of crap <laughs> post all those classics. And I've seen some of that crap. <laughs> but, you know, every once in a while, he he ends up in something kind of cool. And I'd, I'd like to consider these Lost Boys sequels movies that would qualify as being kind of cool. This movie, like the Lost Boys, the tribe, is 0%. On Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Are you surprised? This movie's only 81 minutes long. I actually think that's a plus. When you have a movie, when you have, excuse me, let's start again. When you have a vampire movie, a movie that's supposed to have action in it and comedy, <laughs> running at 81 minutes long, you don't have time to waste. You know what you're in for is a fast-paced film. I don't need movies to be a certain length to be, to qualify as something I take seriously. Whatever time you have to work with, if you succeed at entertaining me within that time, I am going to say great. I mean, if, it, if, if you make a three-hour film and, and it's never boring, I don't mind watching a film for three hours. If you make a film that's 81 minutes long and it's entertaining, great. I'm happy that I spent those 81, 81 minutes well. Um, and I have nothing against, like, leaving a film wanting more. Uh, I'd rather want more than feel like a movie overstated so welcome but actually i don't think the thirst uh leaves me specifically wanting more i think it's it's when it's done it ends where it just about when you're about through with it you're like yeah i'm i'm done with this movie right now and then it's done <laughs> so it's it's a good it's a good perfect time originally they were going to make a movie to follow this movie, The Lost Boys Part 4. I don't know what it was going to be called, but the original plans were to extend the franchise into not just vampires, but werewolves. I mean, who knows? Maybe if this straight-to-video series was very successful, they would have made more and more and more. But um, the first one they were going to try to make was a movie where the Frog Brothers battle werewolves. They never made it. The Lost Boys franchise was owned by a part of Warner Brothers called Warner Premier, and Warner Premier went bankrupt. So when Warner Premier dissolved the Lost Boys license, I guess it just uh, vanished. <laughs> I don't know. How could it vanish? I, I would imagine that Warner Brothers still owns it somehow legally. If they wanted to make a Lost Boys sequel, they could. I wouldn't have minded. 
when you think about other horror film franchises, like I'm going to single out Children of the Corn. It's weird to me that there's like a billion Children of the Corn films and they're all kind of awful and yet they still make them. Why? Who's watching these movies except me? I've watched them all because I'm a crazy weirdo. But who else is watching these movies that warrants continuing to make 10 million awful Children of the Corn movies? These Lost Boys movies were not awful. And even if they didn't make the kind of money that you would have wanted them to make, surely they made more money than the Children of the Corn films. I'm sure there's some know-it-all out there. He's like, well, actually, the Children of the Corn films are much cheaper to make. And blah, blah, blah. I, yeah, I know. <laughs> but come on. I just think that the Lost Boys is a brand name that would continue to make money. Maybe some more than others. I don't think it would ever stop being popular. But I think starting it up now, I don't think it's an awful idea. I mean, if, if the idea is to include Corey Feldman, it's not like he's ancient. I think that he could still, I think he could still do the, do the role. Even, even if he was the kind of guy who was like an older, like, like Corey, have you seen him? He still looks like, he looks good for his age is what I'm saying. He's in shape. He's believable as a vampire hunter. I'm just not against the idea that even if he wasn't, I'm not against the idea of seeing like an old grizzled vampire hunter. But there, I don't, I don't, I would not describe Corey Feldman as of right now as grizzled. <laughs> I think he still looks like he could do it. Uh, so bring it back. But let I me, mean, let's face it. I think if the Lost Boys name brand name was to ever return in movie form it, it would probably be a remake and it just seems like a matter of time before something like that would happen megan fox once said that she would be interested in being in a lost boys film but only if it was a remake of the original she wouldn't want to do a sequel it's just some random thing that i know um <laughs> this film the Lost Boys, the Thirst is directed by Dario um, Piana. I can't remember his name. Pia? Piana? Pierre? I don't know. But look it up. Nobody cares. He's only made three films. And only one of them I've heard of. I was surprised. It was a movie I actually had in my DVD collection called The Deaths of Ian Stone from the year 2007. And uh, it's a movie that's like a Groundhog's Day kind of movie where a guy keeps living his life over and over again. Every time he dies, he gets reborn and he has to get murdered all over again. And originally it was released a part of the Eight Films to Die For uh, collection. Remember that? Eight Films to Die For uh, movie marathons, like once a year. They would find eight horror films that were supposed to be great, cool, undiscovered gems, and they would release them over the weekend in a, a movie, a horror movie marathon. And uh, I went the first year, and uh, they weren't all great. Some of them were good. The second year was when the deaths of Ian Stone came out, and that one I actually didn't go to see. I just bought the DVD. I have an idea. I actually have two ideas for prequels for The Lost Boys. I think it'd be great if there was a movie that told the story about how David 
Kiefer Sutherland's character from part one, how he became a vampire. I think he should be written to be like a, like a Michael, like, like a good guy who eventually like fails at resisting, you know, becoming a vampire. And the movie ends with him being turned and maybe Kiefer Sutherland could come back and, and do a cameo as uh, David's father. Also, at the end of The Lost Boys, Grandpa says that great line, One thing about living in Santa Carla, I could never stomach. All the damn vampires. That means he knows about it. And he's the one that was responsible for killing the head vampire in part one. It makes me think he's killed vampires before. And that's my second idea for a, a Lost Boys prequel. When, you know, they acknowledged in the movie that his his wife died about eight years earlier before they moved in with him. What if she got killed by a vampire? And he kind of became, against his own will, a vampire hunter. That could be a great movie. Those are my ideas. Well, <laughs> thanks for spending time with me. I, I love talking to you about movies. I hope you check out these Lost Boys sequels. Next week, we'll talk about another movie. And uh, until then, read the TV guide. You don't need a TV. Aloha.